The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom, and hi, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is a reference to the uh, next thing I want to mention, which is if you enjoy The Secrets of Technology, you're sure to enjoy another show on the StarQuest Network called The Secrets of Stargate, featuring both Jack Barazzini and Victor Lambs, as well as Father Corey Stika and Lisa Jones. Uh, you, uh, if you, if you at all know Stargate, and even if you don't, you should because it's a great show. Uh, check it out wherever fine podcasts are found, or at sqpn.com/stargate. Funny enough. So I want to start off with a little bit of listener feedback. A few episodes ago, we talked about tech for camping, and we'll be revisiting that topic. By the way, I've got I just went camping with my family. I've got more things to say. Uh, and uh, also reflections on some of the stuff we talked about before. But we did get some feedback. Uh, This came from Patrick via email, who uh, wrote about a great app for national parks called Gypsy Guide. Uh, And I know it's on iOS. I don't know if it's on uh, Android. And he says, you download when you have bars before you get to the park, right? And then the app uses GPS to to get your location and provides a tour guide experience by talking about historical sites and stories as you drive. And uh, as you pull into pullouts, you know, those scenic overlooked places and that sort of thing, it tells you what to look for, etc. cetera. Uh, and then options include specific parks and or regions. Uh, and there's a comprehensive subscription package of parks of the West. And I saw this demonstrated once. I think it was on, uh, Mac break weekly. It was one of the Twitch shows and they were looking at it and it's really good. Like as you drive along, it'll say if up coming up here on the, on the right is a small road that you could go down and see this beautiful waterfall or, and then you, you know, you'll drive down there and we'll say, look up at the waterfall. And this is the waterfall that, you know, Joe, the Explorer fell off of in 1852 to, to his demise. And now it's called Joe falls or something, you know, I, I love <laughs> Joe, the Explorer. He's definitely my favorite. <laughs> it, and it is on Android. It's it on Android too. Oh, yep. good. Anyway, uh, I, I, thank you, Patrick. That is actually a great uh, recommendation because I remember several years ago going to Gettysburg with my family and we ended up, we bought like these CDs and like you drove to, you know, stop a, and you had to like find the track for stop a. And if you went, if you went out of order, you had to like figure out where the, you know, this is much better. It's all GPS based and we'll figure it out where, you know, it'll figure out for you what to play for you. So I like that. Excellent. So uh, let's talk about some of the stories that have been going on this weekend. I, I think the number one tech story I've seen people commenting on uh, that I, I want to talk about, because it's all kinds of <laughs> dumb tech stories that I don't, I don't want to talk about. But the one I think that our <laughs> listeners would enjoy the most is this one about from about, I'm going to press the button to turn her off, about Alexa, who will soon be able to read stories, as the, this headline says, as your dead grandma. That's not creepy at all. So uh, 
Amazon has demonstrated some new technology that allows the Echo Smart Assistant to synthesize short audio clips into longer speech from, so if you feed it a certain amount of, uh, of audio of a person, it will be able to basically what we call now deep fake, which is technically something different, but we'll just call it that anyway. It'll fake you. It'll do a fake of a person. And so in the scenario presented at the event, the, this was the annual re Mars conference in Vegas. I don't even know what that is, but uh, it's called called the Remars Conference. The voice of a deceased loved one, a grandmother in this case, is used to read a grandson a bedtime story. So what do you guys think? Is this, is it touching? Is it creepy? Is it Uh, beyond the pale? What do you think? I think it's just 100% creepy. Like, yeah. On some level, I can appreciate the, you know, the motivation behind it. Uh, it, but we're we're in an age now where where we're animating you know dead actresses and actors into into movies, and there's just no like respect for the you know the boundaries of life and death anymore. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's definitely very creepy. I think that there is a good use case for this. I don't know why they rolled it out there with this use case. I mean, if my Alexa talked like say Teal'c from Stargate, I would be on board with that. You know, if I could feed it like a minute of you know. Bruce Campbell quotes from evil dead or something, you know, and, and right. have it talk like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be great. But I don't, I don't know why they immediately leapt to this unless it was just to make headlines. I mean, which it did. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, like, I feel like giving it like an actor's voice or something like that would be a more viable thing that most people would be interested in. But again, if they just talked about that, maybe we wouldn't even be talking about this. Well, like yeah. right now, you can get Samuel L. Jackson's voice on your Echo and it will. And but it's but it's they're pre-recorded bits that respond to very specific you know, oh, prompts. Okay. Right. This is he, he went to a studio and recorded stuff. It's not, uh, you know, uh, um, what's the word? Spontaneous. Uh, whereas this mm-hmm. is more more spontaneous. And and like you, I think this is that would have been where I thought they would go with this is here. Your favorite actor you know, talking to you from your echo, you know, responding to your request for what the weather is going to be and how's my commute, you know? So, but, but the, yeah, I mean, from a serious standpoint, the idea of you, your, your, your mom has died and your child is missing her. Is it good for them to re? create them artificially reading them stories or, or is it better to help them, you know, you know, acclimate to the idea that grandma is in a better place and we pray for her, pray for her. And she's gone on to be, you know, to be with God and to, to, you know, that sort of thing. I kind of think it's that, but it's the age we live in, I guess. I think it kind of goes along with the whole blending of the way, like we even talk about smart AIs and talk to them. Like, like when, like when you teach your kids, like, do you want them to presume that this thing that talks back to them is actually a person because it's not? Yeah. And, uh, and to the extent to it, it speaks to like the secularization of our society where if you don't believe there is, you know, an afterlife or that, you know, your, your soul persists after death. If you believe that death is the end, wouldn't you try to like, you know, and you don't see, believe that you'll see grandma, you know, in, in heaven, you know, I, I can imagine not coming from that perspective. It would be very, you know, disturbing to think that grandma just stopped and you would try to 
grasp onto any, you know, attempt to keep her with you. Right. But, you know, so, I mean, it, it, it comes from, I think, you know, a very human place, but it's, it's, you know, like a lot of technology, very, very misguided. And ripe for abuse. I mean, imagine, you know, creepy dude whose girlfriend broke up with him and he programs the, uh, the echo to sound like her and respond to him. That's just Mm -hmm. super creep. Um, but and Jack, yeah. to, to, to something you said, Jack, I just want to uh, address it is because we brought it up a number of times on the show. There's two schools of thought. Do I model good conversational behavior to kids by being polite to my echo or do I teach them there's a difference between people and technology and we should always treat technology like a machine and you don't have to be polite to it? Um, I, I, I've, I think I've moved from uh, modeling polite behavior to making sure they understand it's a machine. Uh, and I, I, mm-hmm. I'm often yelling at echo, just shut up when it, you know, when yeah. it wants to be helpful, <laughs> by the way, no, not by the way, be quiet. <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah. I always feel guilty when, when, you know, it's, it's completely failed and you, you call it out on it by saying, you know, like you stink, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then it says, if you have suggestions for how I can improve, improve, like, please let me know. And you're like, okay, now you're passive aggressive too, you know? But I mean, the first thing yeah. I do is probably is put like, you know, uh, John F. Kennedy's voice into this. Right. And so then it could at least say like, ask not what your personal digital assistant can do for you, but what you can do for your personal digital assistant. <laughs> I'm not sure where that accent was, but <laughs> I'm not from Boston. <laughs> Neither. Well, yeah, I mean, the Kennedys yeah. didn't have a Boston accent either. They had a Kennedy accent. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would be fun to kind of to to kind of give these things, you know, fake you know, um, the voices of characters or people from history or whatever. I mean, that could be kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, the 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 real the real person that you had a relationship and a connection to that just feels like you're taking, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, maybe people thought this way with photographs in the early days, like you're, you're taking something of them and artificially preserving it in a way that shouldn't be. But I just, I, I mean, uh, maybe I'm going to be like those guys and just say that not, yeah. not this. Well, the thing with photos is that they're passive. Like you're not, you're not treating the photo like it's the person. And if you are, there's something wrong with you. Right. Like the photo is, is a passive thing that you can observe. Whereas this, it's like, you're, you're pretending that it's the person basically. Yeah. And, and I mean, there have been people who have like programmed like, you know, chat bots to mimic their, their dead relatives. And, and that's something I thought about too, you know, as, as a father with, you know, children, like if I had time, like would I program like basically a chat bot that, cause I know that, you know, as when you grow into adulthood and if you have a parent who's died and you just want to, sometimes you just want to ask him like, like, you know, how do I fix a leaky, leaky faucet or like, what should I do in this situation? And so, like, I kind of wanted to download my my accumulated wisdom, you know, into a chat bot just so that if they ever do run up against a, a roadblock or something, they can, you know, recognizing that it's not me, but, you know, it's something that I programmed, you know, they, they could ask it, you know, what do I do in this situation and, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, might be good for a couple of laughs. I want a future hologram of me so my kids can go, but dad, how do I make your sauce? Well, yeah, kids, exactly. first you start with some garlic. 
<laughs> Saucebot 2.0 online. Yeah. This is a good yeah. premise for a sci-fi story. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it would be good. Like a like a holodeck with me in it for the kids, you know? That would be yeah. But there we do need to develop some some ethics. Not it doesn't have to be written in stone, but just some ethics around this idea of dead people and reproducing them with, in, with technology, you know, and because I, I think you touched on that, Victor, is like this whole thing we've, we we can do all this stuff, but should we be doing all this with, you know, dead actors or, you know, like or, or our dead relatives or whatnot, recreating them or resurrecting images or your uh, audio versions of them, holograms at some point. Uh, I, I don't think that's something we ought to do. I just... But we need as a society to figure this out because the the uh, the programmers are going to do it if we don't tell them. Not Absolutely, to. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to our next topic, which is uh, uh, this has been a long time coming, a, a big controversy. New York has state has passed the first ever right to repair law law for electronics, uh, and what this is is a. It, We've always had a right to repair things in our home, appliances. You could, you could fix, you know, not long ago, you could fix your own car, you know. Uh, but there, we've gotten to a point where some of the consumer electronics, the, the creators have, have brought us to the point where um, it's, it, there's a, they have a license agreement that you, you agree not to take devices apart, not to take it, open it up and try to reverse engineer or, or replace parts. So that sort of thing. Um, and they've made it difficult. Uh, like Apple has famously made it hard to repair its iPhones. Uh, the parts are hard to get, authentic parts and that sort of stuff. Although they've made some moves recently where they'll rent you the, actual equipment that they that they use to do this sort of stuff and that sort of thing it's a whole nother topic but now new york state has passed the the fair repair act which would require all manufacturers who sell digital electronic products within their state to make tools parts and instructions for repair available to both consumers and independent shops so what do you think of this of this law I so I completely understand where this is coming from. And as someone who likes to tinker around with my own electronics, I, I get that. Like, I like having things that are easy to repair, but I feel like this is going to end up with the same situation that we're going to get with the EU and now the United States um, rulings on every phone having to have a USB-C charger. Oh, uh, yeah. Where it's right now, that's a great idea because USB-C is the standard. But what happens in five or 10 years when we have a new standard that comes out and the law takes five or 10 years to catch up after that, because that's how those things go. They don't, right. it's not going to stay in sync. Like I'd love for my iPhone to have a USB-C and not a lightning, but I'd rather have Apple have the freedom to develop something new rather than be shackled Stuck. because of a law. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. Like I would love to be able to open up my iPhone and fix it. But the reality is circuits are just too small for you to be able to pop it open and fix it on your desk. Now it's not like a Commodore 64. It's the technology has moved past the point where your average person can open up a device and fix it. So I feel like this is, I get it, but I don't think it's a great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Jack. This, it seems like a really good idea. I'm a fix it guy. I mean, I've replaced, I've replaced screens and tablets. You know, if there's anything wrong on a dishwasher, I can fix it. But I can only see this hurting innovation and hurting products. 
going forward. I mean, if if the trade off, I mean, let's say you have this perfectly sealed waterproof phone, right? But now you have to make it so that repair shops and consumers can crack it open and replace the battery. And, you know, that would d- destroy, let's say, a waterproof seal or something on it. Um, you know, so, or you could have a phone that's, you know, 30 percent smaller, but it wouldn't be possible for somebody to open it up and, and repair it. Right. I mean, it's you're you're, you're hurting innovation. And, it, and if if one manufacturer says you're not going to be able to repair our our devices and another one says we believe in you know you being able to repair our devices and here's the repair kits buy the buy the phone from the manufacturer that offers you repair kits and says that you can repair it let the market decide you know regulating is i mean whenever whenever government makes a regulation or a law like this it hurts innovation it keeps um you know more choices out of the hands of consumers and it uh so i don't see this you know, it seems like a great idea. And I'm I'm the first one to line up and say, let me fix anything I own. You know, give me a $15 part off Amazon, you know, rather than buying a $600 phone or something. But but this this isn't in the long run. This is another one of those like, you know, unintended consequences type things for sure. Yeah, I think I split the difference on it because like I want to be able to repair to a degree. But I also think that there's a level at which, you know, that where we shouldn't go beyond that to to hamper ourselves and, and the, the innovation, like, cause where do we draw the line? How much do they have to make available? Like how repairable, like, do we have to get down to the circuit level? <laughs> do we have to have repair yeah, exactly. manuals for replacing resistors on yeah. the, on the board? Or is it, you have to have a manual of auto replace a cracked screen. Like I, I there's, and maybe the, I haven't seen the text of the bill. So maybe the bill makes, draws a line somewhere, but like, how do you draw that line for, this is a broad digital electronic products that covers a whole lot of stuff. This isn't just phones. This is everything. Everything's electronic these days. Uh, so like there is a Colorado has, it says in the article has a bill that ensures repair rights for powered wheelchairs. I'm all for that. If yeah, you know, exactly like some companies have used, uh, you know, um, patents and other trade secrets uh, laws to prevent people from fixing things that they could fix if you just let them fix it. Right. Uh, and I think that's wrong. But this sort of thing, I, 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 you know. Right. Like, does this cover like AirPods? Because there are certain kinds <laughs> of technology where just by their yeah. nature, they're not repairable. Like AirPods are a disposable thing. There's right. no way to open those up safely and have it still be usable. I suppose like they would say, well, if, if the if you can send it back to the manufacturer and they can repair it rather than replace it, then they want you to be able to have consumers do it themselves. Because like, even Apple doesn't try to repair an AirPod. So, I, I, I mean, I suppose they might say that. But but uh, your point is valid, though, which is like th- this stuff is so complex now, even cars are like. The, the days of the shade tree mechanic who, you know, with a good set of wrenches could fix anything that those days are past like you can, any car that's relatively modern is is way too complex for joe schmo in the driveway to do anything other than change his oil and maybe not even that you know i mean it's it, we're 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 moving beyond those days and and the ironic thing is a lot of those like the reason for that complexity is due to government regulation as well right i mean like right. mandated backup cameras mandated emission standards and stuff and that's why you have this complexity you know, going into these cars so that they're not repairable anymore. And then, you know, the government realizes that they've made this, this error. And so what do they do? 
they mandate that you have to be able to repair it, right? So it's uh and put the burden back on the manufacturers. But when I buy a cell phone, I look, can I replace the battery myself? Oh, it doesn't have a user replaceable battery. Well, let me look at something else, you know, because um, I know the batteries go out in phones every you know two years or so. You know, Jack, on the other thing you mentioned, uh, it's not one of our headlines, but it's it, it is an uh, interesting development. This you, the EU mandating that all cell phones have to have USB-C and now a U.S. senator saying, hey, what a great idea. And it's like, have you tried to get a USB-C cable that works with everything like USB-C is not a great standard yet. Like it's it's better than in some ways, but like you've got USB-C charge cables, USB sync yeah. cables, USB charge and sync cables. And, and it's like, oh, but it, but then you have this additional uh, problem, which you mentioned, which is, is now now that it's a government standard, how do we if someone invents a better connector, how do we get government to update that in time for it to be put into the phones? Well. Right. You know, we got to lobby them to change the law. And that means that someone's going to give a bunch of donations to you know, lawmakers. It, it's it's a mess. Yeah, it's it's always the problem when you have non-technical people like the lawyers and, and legislators writing laws about technical things. Right. It, it's never effective. And and yeah, I mean, U, USB-C can be USB 2. It can be USB 3. It can be PD. It can be, you know. Right. Thunderbolt. Yeah. I mean, there there's many different standards that go over, but somebody's like, I just my cable can't go into my phone. Therefore, we need a law to make my cable go into my phone. You know, it's right. Yeah. I'm all for banning uh, USB micro and mini. I mean, those are from the devil, but (laughs) (laughs) those connectors. But uh, but yeah. So but in case people don't know, USB C like the the letter A, B and C refers to the shape of the connector. But the numbers USB two, three. Thunderbolt, PD, those things refer to what's traveling through the wires, like the not electricity, but what? Well, sometimes electricity, but <laughs> but what's going through the wires? The uh, speed of the transfer yeah. and like what kind of wattage you'll get for charging things. Like the connectors all look the same, but the internal what's going on internally can be very different. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, as I learned to my chagrin last fall, when I couldn't find a cable to chart to keep my laptop charged, I kept buying cables like this. Certainly uh, on Amazon says it can do it. Nope. <laughs> it won't charge my MacBook. And, you know, and I ended up buying the expensive cable from Apple because I know that one will work. I mean, I, I you know, if this if this goes through the days of buying, you know, being able to buy uh, random cables at your local store, you know, CVS or corner store, when you're on the on the go and need a cable, those days are going to probably go, you know, pass you by. You're going to end up buying lots of bad cables to charge your phone. Yeah. Which will negate their whole thing about uh, it being uh, eco-friendly in the first place. Right, exactly. It, yeah, it's not eco-friendly. It, <laughs> no. Because we're going to end up throwing away all our lighting cables, for one thing. But, um, but also Apple's, like, already pushing people to do use, you know, MagSafe or Qi charging and the other manufacturers the same way, you know, and there's rumors Apple will do what they've done with the, the Apple watch, which is get rid of connectors altogether, which I really hope they don't do because there's so many good things that you can connect to, to a, you know, to a, a phone or an iPad. I feel like I'm to the point with that where same thing with the headphone jack where i was upset when it was gone but then i realized i never use it now that i have a wireless charger for my phone i never plug anything into the lightning port anyways <laughs> right right 
Uh, yeah, uh, I still plug it in on my desk, but everywhere else is MagSafe uh, for my my phone. But if I need to get data in and out, I that's I, true. I still occasionally yeah, I use it for Android Auto and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I still occasionally do, do use the 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 connector, but yeah. So let's move on from that. And uh, before we get to our next headline, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Alex S, Aga O, Sean M, Brian S, and Benjamin D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So our next uh, headline is, this is an Apple-specific one, but for those of you who like to, if you have an iPad at home, and you also uh, like to use uh, smart home technologies, HomeKit type stuff, um, it it was true for a long time that you could use an iPad as a home hub, but that's going away with iOS 16, iPadOS 16, uh, and you will only be able to use either a HomePod mini, a regular HomePod, or an Apple TV as a home hub. Uh, now, what's a hub? Uh, a hub, uh, to quote from Apple, is required to take advantage of features like receiving notifications and allowing other people to control your home. So you'll, you won't be able to view shared homes unless those homes are also upgraded to the latest home kit. So basically, a home hub lets you... For one thing, when your when your phone is away from home, the hub is what makes all your various devices, cameras and switches and plugs and you know light bulbs, all uh, work together. And when your phone isn't there to to help you control it, the hub takes over and will route that stuff to your phone over the internet. Without a hub, you can't control your stuff remotely. Um, it also makes it possible for mul- multiple people in a home to control your stuff. So um, what do you think? Is this a big deal? Uh, I'm going to guess, Victor, that you don't have a home kit stuff. I do not have Apple, but I've been using Samsung smart things for about eight years. I have a smart home with about, you know, 80 different Z-Wave, Zigbee and Wi-Fi devices. Uh-huh. And um, like I said, I've been using smart things for eight years and I've never had an issue with it. But I've always kind of been leery about relying on a cloud-based service that somebody could turn off or restrict features of. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I started playing around with Home Assistant or Hacks, H-A-C-S, um, on a Raspberry Pi. And that's basically using a Raspberry Pi as your smart home hub. And there's all sorts, it's, it's amazing. Like when you get into it, you can create like all different rules. It's, it's compatible with just about everything. Um you know, and so I've been kind of running smart things and then this uh, Raspberry Pi home assistant uh, hub in parallel and um, just, you know, but I've still used my my Samsung uh, smart things just because it's so it's so reliable. And but home assistant integrates with Alexa and integrates with with everything. So. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that is an issue with any any smart home service is that you're you're at the the whim of, you know, whoever you know runs the service so if you have the uh the means to roll your own with uh you know a raspberry pi and home assistant definitely do that mm-hmm. how about you jack do you use smart yeah. home stuff um so i use all the google stuff just because honestly it's priced better and they have better support than the apple stuff like all my 
like my laptop and have an iPad and all that, but I've never been a big fan of the way HomeKit integrates things and the fact that they're mm-hmm. taking away yet another feature when they don't even sell the original HomePod anymore. It seems odd. It's like they want people to buy into this ecosystem, but they are not providing any sort of support for this ecosystem. Like, if they really want to get people on board, they need to do something like um, both Amazon and Google have, where you have the home screen that you can like have on your counter or whatever, where you can control it. But they don't have anything like that right now. So right. until they bring more robust support, I think I don't think it really makes that much of a difference because I don't know how many people are actually using HomeKit right now. I wonder though if the iPad just, they found people were not um, using the iPad as a hub very often because it has to stay in the house and be be uh, powered, be plugged in to in order for it to operate as a pub. Uh, and me, and I, I have a feeling that most people who are doing this are either using a HomePod Mini or an Apple TV or something. Yeah, the the lack of a of a home hub screen. Has really like I know they want us to use the home app on the iPad or on the phone or even on a Mac, but I like that's my device. I want a device that's and I'm not going to buy a five hundred dollar iPad that's that's sole purpose is to sit in the kitchen and be the home hub. Like right. no, I need something in between. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think later this year they're coming out with the the or the. They're integrating HomeKit with the Matter standard, which is an interoperable standard with what uh, other companies do, including Google and Alexa, and and is supposedly going to let them interoperate much more closely. So the devices that support the Matter standard should support all of them out of the box. Uh, would be a nice future to imagine, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I also um, I I also use. Um, what is it? Homebridge. That's what I'm thinking of. Homebridge on, on a Raspberry Pi that lets me connect a bunch of non HomeKit compatible stuff to uh, HomeKit. So like all my ring cameras are available nice, in my yeah. in my home app on in HomeKit. But um, yeah, it, it is weird. They they I feel like there's there's a strategy in there somewhere, but they're so tight lipped about it. It's hard to glean what because every time they have these big events, they have this. They have this like every. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the big Apple events where they have this fake home that's all like HomeKit, and, and they're they're always. I mean, they spent a lot of money and promo time pushing it, but I just don't feel like they've really come out with a with a good story to to mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, and I mean, if Apple is known for anything, it's for killing you know, technology that they no longer view as profitable or promising, no matter how many people are using it. Right. Well, I mean, they've, they, they acquire companies and then, you know, basically yeah. shut them down and stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, as, as much as you can do on your own without relying on an Apple or a Samsung or a Google, you know, that's the yeah. way to go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, they, all the big, all the big ones have at one point or another shut down a service that lots of people were relying on and forced them to another. I think because I think Samsung had something before SmartThings that they shut down. Was it? Yeah, maybe before they acquired SmartThings. Um, yeah, since they've acquired SmartThings, I think they've actually improved the service, which I was really concerned about. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, I've been using SmartThings for eight years. Samsung came in about three or four years ago, and I was very worried at first. But they've actually improved uh, the user experience quite a bit since they've come in. But again, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they have a one or two bad quarters. Do they keep it 
you know, around or not, you know? Right. So, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we talked a while ago about this, just the being dependent on like you buy something, you spend a lot of money on it and then being dependent on the, on the goodwill of a company to be able to keep it going. And you, you know, they, they changed their mind one day and all that money and heart is gone and the hardware is, is trash. So uh, let's talk about uh, next is uh, net. Okay. Here's I said, like Netflix confirms plans for ad supported service and begins a second round of layoffs. So uh, Netflix famously has been nervous. Uh, their growth has slowed. There's a, which is, you know, how many, how many people can you actually add to your, your service? Like the, the, there is not unlimited number of people to add to, to you know, watch stranger things season four. Uh, and uh, so, they're now talking about how do we keep how do we keep the gravy train rolling? One way is to get rid of things that cost money, which is like people. Uh, and another way is to find ways of getting more money, which is ads. Uh, so I, what I didn't get from this article is and it's in the Wall Street Journal, so it's behind a paywall. But uh, the from what I saw, it's hard to see. Is the are the ads going to be for a new ad supported service that that's free otherwise, or are they going to roll ads for people who are already paying? Because if it's the latter, I'm really unhappy. What what do you guys think? Well, I I think they'll come out with a new tier instead of spending $16 for ad free. You'll spend like $8 or $9 and get ad supported. Hulu does this. Oh yeah. Like pretty much everybody does this now. Yeah, and, every other service has it that way. Yeah, and I mean, it's I feel personally violated anytime I see an ad on a streaming <laughs> service. So, you right. know, I I won't use ad supported streaming services. Um, you know, it's bad enough when when someone throws an ad for their own show in front of a show I'm trying to watch, like Paramount Plus does, and on on Amazon Prime and stuff. And it's yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. A, I was going to say Paramount Plus is. They won't let you even use an ad blocker on your browser when you're watching yeah. it because they want they want to have all the pre roll ads. So like it's I hate that one because it just yeah it, they give you like three ads before your show and you're already paying for it. Yeah, and in terms of like letting go of employees, if Netflix lets go of the right employees, I think it will help their service. I mean they've they've you know there's been like memos and stuff coming out that like you know we have to be more you know accommodating, you know, in our programming and not just, you know, cater to a very small, you know, audience here, you know, then they, they you've seen that with some of their comedy specials and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think their, their original programming is getting better. I mean, they've, they've relied on stranger things and then like bringing in like weird European shows and stuff, not nothing against those, but they have, they have some new shows that are very good. We've been enjoying a uh, man versus B with a uh, Rowan Atkinson for, for example, that's gonna be an interesting <laughs> premise, but it's Rowan Atkinson. I'll give it a try. Yeah, and, and it's really like the entire series is like under two hours long if you just watch it because the episodes are eleven minutes. But oh, okay. So they they are yeah they are trying new things. They're trying new formats, and um, I certainly applaud them for that because you know for a long time you kind of knew what you were going to get if you watched a Netflix original series. It was like you know some weird B tier you know show that was adapted from some weird property you never heard of and, and yeah so right they're they're trying which which i will give them credit for yeah and they're, they're spending big bucks i mean the gray man movie that's coming out in july is i think their biggest budget 
thing ever. And I'm I'm super looking forward to it. We're going to talk about it on uh, Secrets of Movies and TV shows. Uh, I love the book series, so I'm looking forward to the movie. I do wonder how much of this is just streaming fatigue. I don't know if like other people have this, but I feel like there's just so many services out there now that at a certain point you're just like, there's too much to watch, and so I'm just not going to watch anything. Yeah. I, or I want, I'm going to go back and watch something that was, you know, a 25 year old TV show and, and some exactly. old comfortable <laughs> content that I, that, that I enjoyed then. And I'm just tired of trying to figure out, is this worth it? Is this worth it? There's so much good stuff out there. It's overwhelming. And sometimes I'm like, I just, I, I can't, I can't keep up. I, I just, I don't even use Hulu. Like I just, uh, yeah. I, I, I've tried. One of my big problems back to the ad thing is, if at least if the ads were good, like I used to watch regular network television and had and sat through ads and it was okay, but the ads had some variety. There was, you know, thousands of different ads, not like the most services now, when it's the same three ads every 15 minutes. Like, what do you think I'm going to do? Oh, this is the 32nd time I've seen this ad for this kind of cream. Maybe I'll go out and get it. Like, no, it's not doing any good. It's going to wear you down. Yeah, right. I, I appreciate what you say about streaming fatigue, Jack. And one thing that that I've found that really helps that is if you set yourself like I'm only going to subscribe to two streaming services at a time and then like rotate those like you rotate your tires like granted with Prime. It's hard because you got to like re up for an entire year. But like, you know, now I'm going to have Prime and Netflix and then maybe three months from now I'll have Prime and something else. And then in in a year I'll, you know, drop that or six months, I'll drop that, get Netflix again, see everything new that's been on Netflix and then, you know, drop that. And the thing about these streaming services is like they don't care if you drop them. They're just so happy to have you back you know, when you come back. I mean, it's, yeah, you're not you're not hurting their feelings. So, it, um, you know, I think Netflix has not yet learned the, the lesson that all the others have learned, too, which is instead of dropping an entire series at once. We we hold you, keep you going. Like Paramount and Disney have figured out if we just like if we give you a new Star Wars or Star Trek series every ten weeks, you're gonna stay subscribed for the next one. You know, unless it's Discovery, then I unsubscribe. But you know, you'll 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 stay <laughs> subscribed. And it's like they, I, mean, they, I think they've kind of experimented with this with Stranger Things. Like we've dropped almost all of Stranger Things season four in June. You got to stick around for July to get the other, the last two episodes, you know? And so you're like, oh, well, they're going to get June and July for me, uh, at least. I I would I would be upset if I couldn't, like, binge watch Cobra Kai or Warrior Nun all at once. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I like I like it's like, oh, there's like like 10 episodes and I can watch as many as I want right now or I can save them. You know, I don't know. There's just something of something. Uh, yeah christmasy about that like oh i got like five presents i can open them all right now or i can space them out i i'm of two minds i like the idea of being able to watch as much of it as i want as i want right off the bat but i usually can't and so therefore i'm desperately avoiding spoilers forever like until i could watch all of stranger things up the season four up to now i was like deathly afraid that someone was going to like tell me i'm glad i didn't get spoiled because that last episode before the break was really, you know, really revealing and and surprising. And I'm like, wow, that would have been, I would have sucked if I'd I'd heard that already. And that's the thing that kind of gets me is is like, I want, I I like the idea of dropping the whole thing at once, but I also kind of like, you know, holding everybody back a little so that we don't ruin it for each other. But I get what you're saying. I think part of it is also, 
if you uh if you get it all at once it's harder to budget the time to watch it because like if i get a show and it's like 10 episodes it's 10 hours like i'll start watching the first like couple and then i'll not budget the time but like with star trek it's like every thursday night we just watch star trek and then it's easier to like set that in your schedule rather than trying to make the time yourself i feel like i was doing that with kenobi with my kids you know like every wednesday afternoon we sit down for an hour and we watch kenobi you know that's just the this this was the thing I don't know. We're all adults here. Just give it to me all at once, and I I can make my own decisions. I can mainline that. Uh, right yeah, <laughs> don't have impulse control apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that is really necessary these days is a, uh, for me anyway, is a like a show tracking app, like keeping track of what I've been watching, which episodes I left off at. Like Father Roderick was talking about it in one of his most recent episodes of his podcast. Uh, Father Roderick Von Hogan, for those who don't know. And yeah, and I use the same one called TV Time. And I check off, like, I, I watch an episode, I check it off. And that way I know, like, I can look at it and go, what am I going to watch tonight? And it's like, oh, I'm going to watch the next Stargate or the next uh, Longmire I've been walking my way through. You know, that sort of thing. It's like, where did I leave off? Or I haven't watched the Vikings in about six months. What was the last one I watched? Oh, that one in season four. And I can go back and catch up. So, I mean, I just that's for me, that's necessary to 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 keep track because I, I have a lot of different stuff I want to watch. So. All right. So uh, let's move on to our next headline, which is um, this is interesting, but not surprising to me. Uh, the headline is cryptocurrency tech is vulnerable to tampering. A DARPA analysis finds DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Uh, so the Pentagon. Uh, they found that uh, the 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 blockchain is is susceptible to for the whole premise of cryptocurrency in the blockchain is that the the ledger system uh, because it's decentralized it will it it's 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 hard maybe not impossible but very hard for anyone to uh, tamper with it to to you know to break it to track. Uh, transactions, all that sort of stuff. And DARPA's was just saying, mm, no, <laughs> that's actually, it, it, that isn't true. And in fact, I mean, based on what we've been seeing from the FBI, the NSA, uh, and the uh, Securities Exchange Commission and the and some, some of the things that they've been doing, the, the legal actions they've been taking, it looks like governments are able to track some of these transactions these days. So if you think you're, dark web crypto uh you know uh sale is is uh private it might not be so what do you guys think of this it's entirely unsurprising <laughs> yeah i mean i i have no idea how any of this works i i don't have any cryptocurrency i don't understand it at all but you know obviously government has an interest in promoting their own currency over somebody else's. So of course they're going to come out and say it's, it's insecure. And, uh-huh. but at, at the same time, it gets back to what we were saying about, you know, home hubs. It's, it's like, if, if you're relying on somebody else's network, that's probably the biggest, you know, downside to crypto for me. It's like, you're relying on, you know, the, the internet service providers, you're relying on somebody else's network to, if not safeguard your assets, at least safeguard your access to them. Right. So I don't know. I'm not saying that you should like buy gold and stuff it in a mattress or something, because that would be very uncomfortable to sleep on. But at the same time, (laughs) I mean, if you're reliant upon somebody else's network, somebody else's like good faith that you'll be able to access this when you need it. 
I mean, it's really not yours at that point, is it? Yeah, the thing with crypto is that you can back it up. Like, you can get a, a crypto wallet, which is an encrypted device, and put it on there, and it's all on there, and it's basically just, it speaks the same language as the rest of the network, so that's how you can access it. But, again, it's a technology, and so therefore there's going to be holes in it no matter how secure it is. Right. Yeah, I was thinking when you were describing that, Victor, but like the, the insecure, like um, don't use networks that other people control. I'm like, yeah, keep your money in a bank. You get it through an ATM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, if if you can't, I mean, if I don't know, if you can't barter with it at some level, I mean. Right. Is it really yours? I mean, so, yeah. All our money is, these days is almost all our money is e-money. Like I have I, I mean, I have maybe a couple hundred dollars in actual cash in my house at this moment. Uh, almost all my money is in a virtual form in a bank somewhere, you know, numbers on a ledger. So uh, it, it's interesting the way the way they describe, though, the way that uh, people could get control of the blockchain, which is like um, gives an example. Say somebody with great top down top down control of the Internet in their country starts to interfere with the network. Uh, and the nodes on the network by slowing down or stopping legitimate blockchain traffic, an attacker beca- could become the majority voice in the consensus of what's written to a blockchain at that moment. Blockchain at that moment, because that's what it is. It's, it's the the blockchain works by consensus by all of these computers yeah. reporting. Mm-hmm. This is what it should say. But if you prevent the people outside your country from having a voice in that. You get you, the, only the voices inside the country t- uh, can tell people inside your country what the blockchain actually says. And so that is one way of messing with it. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, the the way crypto bros and blockchain aficionados have talked about it in the past. Oh, this is the holy grail of making sure things are what they are on the Internet. And like everything else, it's not quite. I'm just waiting for my uh, Dogecoin to. Uh, rocket up there so i can retire retire early <laughs> <That's> yeah <right. laughs> I, I admit I bought, I bought some uh bitcoin uh in ethereum a while back just to see just to, to you know what's this about um and i was given a bunch of some another crypto stellar lumens when i signed up for a service and they actually became worth something now nothing's worth anything anymore so there's <laughs> no, no point worrying about that but um because uh, crypto's in the in the basement, but uh, yeah, so it, it's I think it's a lesson, just an object lesson to things. Do, you know, just because everybody says this is the thing NFT, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. get don't get stuck with a broken ape. I want to be the guy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because a bunch of people are making a lot of money on something on the internet doesn't mean that you're going to make any money on that on the internet. So. Yeah. It's a pump and dump scheme. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long-term one. I mean, there was a lot of money in there. Um, and there might still be money in the future in crypto. I'm not saying it's, it's done, but uh, the, 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 a lot more skepticism needs to be applied to these things, I think. So I think that should do it for our headlines this time. And uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. And Jack, why don't you go first with your pick of the week? All right, my pick of the week is uh, my continuing saga of completely replacing my computer with an iPad Pro um, because you can basically do 99% of what you need to do on your computer on an iPad Pro. Um, it's going to be even better when iOS 16 comes out, but it is a uh, 
7-in-1 USB-C hub that has a Two uh, Thunderbolt ports. It has a SD card reader, a compact flash card reader, a USB 3, HDMI, and audio out. Um, and I really like it because it works with the um, smart keyboard case. Like it fits around that. So you just plug that in and it gives you all these different ports that you're able to access on your uh, device. And I like it a lot because that way I can plug in my monitor and do transfers to different files and plug in an external hard drive and all that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I could switch to an iPad Pro to do all my work, but but most people could probably get away with it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I these these little uh, hubs are really great for. I mean, even with a laptop like a, like a MacBook, which only has a few USB C mm-hmm. ports, um, it really gives you all the ports again. Um, the one thing I ran into with um, iPad hubs is sometimes the ones that sit flush. Depending on the case you have, it may not work with the case. Um, I've got mm. I've got one that um, has a cable off the end, and uh, so that mm-hmm. you know, I plug the cable the the cable in. Um, but if if you but if you have the Apple case, they often make them work with the Apple case. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't have the right. Apple case. There's no edge on the Apple case. Yeah, so. yeah. Good, good. And it's inexpensive. It's only thirty six bucks. So. Um, in fact, they have a coupon on it today, so it's like even save another three dollars off of it. It's yeah, good. awesome. And uh, Victor, what's your pick this week? Well, uh, the what's the future of communications? Hear me out. Two way handheld radios, walkie talkies. <laughs> no, but these are uh, you know we're we're coming into you know power outage season for large parts of the country where you can lose lose power and. Uh, you know, we've seen in various power edges where, you know, when you lose power, you also lose access to your cell phones uh, in a lot of cases. Um, so it, thinking about that, how do you stay in touch, uh, you know, with your loved ones who might be near nearby? Um, and so I've been looking into various options. And of course, uh, one thing that pops to mind is, uh, you know, the FRS or family radio service radios, which have been around for for years, if you go to Best Buy or something and buy these little walkie-talkies that you, you can select from a number of channels. Um, under the FCC guidelines, though, that's limited to two watts of, uh, you know, transmit power, which doesn't give you a lot of range. However, there is another um, option in that same, you know, frequency range that would be compatible with that called GMRS, which is a general mobile radio service. And this allows you, uh, you know, transmit, uh, you know, five watts up to 50 watts using those same frequencies. Um, It does require an FCC license, but unlike a ham radio license, there's no test to take. You just go on the FCC website, pay your $35 and you get a cool uh, call sign. Mine's WRTE777. Um, And uh, it allows you to use and anybody in your immediate family uh, as well as covered by this license. It allows you to use GMRS uh, radio um, receivers and and, uh, handheld radios, base stations, repeaters up to 50 watts. And so uh, the link we'll have there is is a link to um, for around sixty five dollars. You can get two of these radios uh, fairly powerful Um, here in an urban environment. I haven't been able to get like, you know, 10 miles of range or anything yet. but um, I'm working on, uh, you know, how I can, how I can boost my range. I have a, you know, my, my mom lives uh, a few miles away, um, in this, in this urban environment and stuff. So 
just if there was a power power outage or something, it would you know be a comfort to me to be able to you know check in with her if we weren't able to communicate any other way and stuff. So, um, again, this does require an FCC license, uh, but they're very easy to get. Um, within a day, you can have your have your license, and then. Um, but uh, we'll also have a couple links in there for some some really cool uh, YouTube channels that that teach you more about uh, how this radio service works. So, yeah, the uh, radio communications, the future there. <laughs> nice. You know, I had uh, I had some FRS radios and actually my boys discovered them recently and have been running around yeah. uh, talking to other like stormtroopers. And um, but. They, they even beyond the the emergency use, like or you know the, the home like power outage use, uh, like when you're hiking or camping, you know you can't necessarily rely on a cell phone. Having a bars out in the wilderness, having a you know putting a radio in you know each of the parents in case they get separated, or you know give one to a group of the kids if they're going to go off and do something. Or but in order to stay in touch, uh, over long distances in the wilderness. That that is worthwhile too. So I, I I like this idea. I might I might have to pick a couple up. Yeah, yeah. We um we use them for bike rides and stuff too. But with the uh, the GMRS standard and, and the like, I said it's thirty five dollars, and they give you the license within just a couple mm-hmm. of hours. Um, you can put like a forty watt you know base station in your car, you know, with an antenna. So if you're sitting in your campsite with your car, you have sixty miles. If you have line wow. of sight, you know, and you have sixty miles of range at that point. So, um. Yeah, it's, mm. it's really cool that, uh, you know, I was looking into ham licenses and stuff and something I still want to pursue at some point. But, you know, they've dropped the Morse code, you know, requirements. <laughs> that makes it a little bit easier for me. But <laughs> but yeah, this was this was kind of a, a no brainer just to start playing around with, uh, you know, these different radios and stuff. That's awesome. That's kind of a cool idea. I'll have to look into that. All right. Well, my pick this week is another uh, Mac app, and it's called Stay from Cordless Dog. We get it, Stay. Uh, what it does, it's it's a very simple app. It it does one thing well. It keeps your windows where you want them and ensures that they stay put. So, for example, like what you do is you you move your windows that you, you know, for your various apps to where you want it to be. I want my, I always, especially with, if you have a larger window, uh, like a Mac, an iMac or something, um, you move your mail always goes here, uh, Safari over here. I put a little calendar thing down here. And then, you know, you, especially with a laptop, sometimes if you like, you, if it's connected to an external monitor, then you disconnect it and you open up the internal display it's all messed up and then you connect it back and they're all over the place. Well, you just go into the stay app in the menu bar and you say, you know, restore to restore windows. They'll put everything back. And then you can also create data sets like, uh, or window sets. I mean, uh, where you can store various different, um, configurations. And so, uh, it's a neat little, uh, app. It is, uh, $15 for a, a single license. You can get a family pack, for up to five users in the same household for twenty two fifty, um, a, sing- a single license is usually means like one you could have on one desktop and one laptop computer used by the same person. Uh, so I think that's probably the case here as well. Uh, so that is called stay stay good boy. Yeah, it looks very cool, <laughs> and it's kind of like uh, you know things come full circle. I remember like twenty five years ago, in a like running on Unix machines, and in like an X Windows environment, we had something very similar to this, where you could pin windows and recall, you know, virtual desktop layouts and stuff. So it's cool <laughs> to see that it's uh, still yeah. alive and kicking. 
it's probably a guy who used to use those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So that's it from us this time. We would love to hear what you thought of anything we had discussed today. And you can let us know your thoughts by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord and join the Secrets of Technology channel. We'd love to. We've had some great conversations with folks there, as I mentioned before, and we'd love to have you join us there. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode. Until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Jack Barazzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>